You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Roy Thomas, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Captain America, the second half of our first episode, actually, uh, covering the epic collection Captain America Lives Again. This is Captain America from 1966 and 1967. Uh, this is the early years of Captain America. And, uh, and I'm Curtis, your host. And I'm Drew Ivers, your Silver Age Captain America host. Now, we covered up to Tales of Suspense number 77 in the last episode and that kind of took us through this period of Captain America where they were telling a lot of flashback stories um, they were there were a couple of modern day stories but most of them took place during World War two and now we have a turning point in the series where we're going to get Captain America in uh, in modern day that this is modern day 1966. But starting this whole storyline to do with Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. and AIM and working with them. So it's kind of a, it's a neat place to break in this epic collection. And then uh, with the episode that we recorded last week and then the episode that we're releasing today, this is going to make up the entirety of the very first volume of the Captain America epic collection. And from here on after this, we can move into the subsequent volumes. Do we have anything that we need to say about where we are in the book? Things that we need to know, just in case people missed the last episode? Anything that we need to know before we jump into this one? I would say uh, the Red Skull is presumed dead at this point, still from World War II. And Captain America keeps having close calls with uh, with a couple different women in his life. Um, one in the past in World War II and one in the more modern day. I guess we're, he met her in a in a previous uh, story with Batrock, and we're going to meet her again pretty soon here. Uh, at the same time, if you're looking at the larger picture of, of Marvel Comics, uh, Nick Fury is, has been brought into present day recently with a, a new series called Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is being told in the pages of Strange Tales. It replaced the Human Torch um, ongoing series. And so that's been making a big stir. And I think at this point, Jim Steranko hasn't joined the book yet. Not quite. It's still Kirby. So Kirby is kind of doing double duty. He's doing the the uh, the Nick Fury stories and the Captain America stories. And there is uh, some overlap here. In fact, this first issue that we're going to um, that we're going to read here shows up in uh, the the Shield Complete Collection by Lee and Kirby because it's a crossover issue that kind of actually plays directly into the storyline that's happening um, over in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the time. Yeah, it's in the it's in the Masterworks as well. And I would say if you enjoy these stories in the Captain America book, definitely pick up those Nick Fury stories as well. Absolutely. The, the Lee Kirby stories are 
are just fantastic. They're a lot of fun. They It's completely different from anything else that they're doing uh, in the Marvel Universe at this time. And it's and they're really, really cool. And then especially when Jim Steranko takes over the title, those two S.H.I.E.L.D. complete collections are a lot of fun. And they work so well in tandem with this book right here. It's kind of like James Bond on steroids a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yes. All the best gadgets and gizmos and secret organizations and it's fun stuff and you only get a brief little touch of it here uh in this book so if you really enjoyed this yeah check those other ones out but why don't we jump into these issues now since we don't have anything else to cover let's just pick up right where we left off do you want to take us through uh issue 78 tales of suspense 78 sure uh tales of suspense 78 is simply titled them and uh Captain America is at Avengers Mansion when he runs into Nick Fury, uh, who warns him of a mysterious group of scientists that are trying to overthrow the government. Meanwhile, an android is breaking into Avengers Mansion by melting the walls with his chemically changing body. Uh, the two heroes end up teaming up to defeat the android. And at the very end, uh, Nick Fury leaves Captain America with a S.H.I.E.L.D. ID card. I really want someone to make little pins of that little shield emblem <laughs> that says priority A1 that he's holding at the end of this issue. I'd wear that all the time. <laughs> that would be pretty cool, yeah. So this was great. I really I really like a lot of the most of the back half of this book because we start off right away with this really cool rapport between Cap and Nick Fury. Now they have crossed paths as if you pick up the Sergeant Fury epic collection or the Masterworks, you, you know that they both served in World War II and, in fact, met each other a couple of times in World War II. So they have a history that we don't really know about, except for the odd issue here and there. And they pick it up kind of right where they left off. They, they make a good team. They're taking out this android and, uh, and working really well together. Yeah, they both make comments about each other's ages and appearance, and they both say, well, you guys, neither of us have really aged since the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Captain America has a reason for that, but Nick Fury doesn't really have a reason for why he hasn't aged. I think later on they explain it by saying he has some sort of chemical cocktail. Yes. That, yeah, That's but not at this him. point, yeah, at this point he's still Nick Fury. Um, I really liked the uh, on page 284, page 7 of the story, that large panel with all yeah. the different artificial androids. It's kind of haunting in a way, the way they're growing these beings. Yeah, they're just, they're just brewing them in this, in this sludge or whatever it is. Yeah, so this is our first, uh, our first introduction to AIM. This is actually mm -hmm. a pretty critical issue to Nick Fury. I, I kind of wonder why they introduced them in the pages of uh, Captain America instead of in the pages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure, but, I, you know, when you're Lee and Kirby, you can get away with it. And I'm sure if you're, <laughs> yep. I'm sure if you're reading, uh, I'm sure if you're reading this book, you're probably reading the other one at the time. Yeah, and if you look at the issue that immediately follows this issue in the S.H.I.E.L.D. collections, there's a big thing. It's like, are you confused? You better check out this other Captain America issue before you read this one. Yeah, and they're, they're never short on the recaps in, in case you happen to miss this anyway. Very true, so. yeah. So 
Uh, what are your impressions of AIM just from this issue here? They're very mysterious. <laughs> I like the name AIM a lot better than the name Them. Oh, um, yeah, I guess they're not called Them at this... I mean, they're not called AIM at this point. Yeah, it's... I, I, find, I find myself over the course of this back half of the book kind of getting confused as to what they were called at whatever certain point um, because they kind of turn into... They turn from them to AIM, and a little bit of Hydra gets mixed in. So there's there's quite a few uh, secret organizations in this book. But uh, I like AIM. I've always liked AIM. And the fact that they're scientists and not soldiers, I think that's an interesting way to go about it. Right off the bat, their visuals are striking. They have these very specific beekeeper-like outfits yeah, and and we just don't know anything about them, and they're like growing these big monster android things, and and it's just such an interesting mystery. And why does Nick Fury want to know so much about them? And um, yeah, it's just it's a great way to kind of start off this section of the book, uh, and then things just get ramped up, and the I take out the android, and things just stop. And so you have to go over to to Shield to find out what's going to happen next. I didn't. I didn't quite like how they took out the android. It, it seemed a little odd that Nick Fury could just take him down with a, a chokehold after all that. And he, he, they said he he could he knew he could do it because he, the android had a mouth. But then the android kind of dissolved right after that. So yeah, he had kind of a self destruct mechanism built into him or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's continue on over to Tales of Suspense number seventy nine. This one's called The Red Skull Lives. And here, Captain America is attacked by assassins that are invisible to everyone but him. And I think that's kind of a cool little setup to make uh, everybody think that he's kind of going nuts. It looks like he's fighting nobody in the middle of the street. Mm -hmm. And, oh yeah, as a side note here, Red Skull happens to be alive also. (laughs) So that's kind of a big deal. Um, I can just imagine the letters pouring in after we getting we're getting these World War Two stories, it's like bring back the Red Skull. We really like the Red Skull, and so surprise, surprise, here he is in this issue here, behind uh, behind everything. And he's very uh, he's very glamorous in this issue. He's constantly smoking and puffing out smoke rings, and uh, it looks like Hugh Hefner almost. Exactly, he's got like this smoking jacket or a robe on or whatever, and uh, he's definitely not the you know the the hot-headed Nazi guy that we saw in the flashbacks. Yeah, he's kind of embracing the 1960s. And then also on page 296, we get the um, we get AIM, the first mention of, of this new organization's name, which is Advanced Idea Mechanics. Yeah, and I believe this is the first appearance of the, the Cosmic Cube in oh, the yes, Marvel Universe. Oh, yes, of course. Absolutely, yeah, on the same page. Mm-hmm. The, I, you know... I never knew until I read these the first time a couple of years ago that the Cosmic Cube was created by AIM. I thought because it had yeah. Cosmic in the title that it was from outer space or something. And I knew that AIM liked it or wanted it or, or something like they had some sort of ties to it. But I didn't realize that they actually created this thing. It was actually, um, we'll get to, we'll see MODOK a bit later in this book, but uh, it was actually retconned to be the scientist that turned into Modoc who created the cosmic cube. Hmm. But yeah, like in the Marvel uh, movies, it it's powered by the, the Tesseract, one of the infinity stones. Right. Yes. 
I like at the very end he uses some of Tony Stark's uh, he figures out what's going on and he uses Tony Stark's technology and hides it behind the letter A that's on his on his helmet <laughs> in order to counteract the I guess the subliminal messaging that's coming out of these guys' helmets that makes them invisible to everybody. That's pretty clever. I I I love how obvious they make it at the end there, just <laughs> literally yeah. spelling it spelling the A out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tony, I need your help. I need a device and I need it to be in the shape of an A. <laughs> so he can hide it behind this A on my forehead. He couldn't plant it inside the helmet or anything like that for some reason. No, no, of course not. <laughs> so I really felt like this was kind of... I mean, it's a good story with the Invisible Guys, but it was definitely um, a, a first part to a story. Like, it feels like things are ramping up, especially because we just met these AIM guys, and now the Red Skull is alive, and they're working together. But we don't really know. we don't really know why. No, and Cap is really on the last page here, on page 298. He's really very shocked. You know, he says, it's my destiny to battle him, to stand between the Red Skull and free men everywhere. And we'll find out a bit later that there's a bit more to the Red Skull coming back, and he's caused quite a bit of anguish in Captain America's life. But yeah, it's, I mean, you can't have, you can't have one without the other. It's, it's like Batman and the Joker at this point. Yes. Yes, I like how clearly they established right at the beginning here that this guy, these two are destined to be fighting forever. Mm-hmm. Tales of Suspense 80 uh, is titled He Who Holds the Cosmic Cube. And uh, Cap sees a, an escape pod crashing, and he ends up rescuing an AIM scientist who warns him about the Red Skull getting the Cosmic Cube. So he takes a shield rocket and... Uh, hijacks a delivery plane and ends up crashing on an island where he meets up with the Red Skull and they fight it out. Uh, but the Red Skull ultimately gains control of the Cosmic Cube and that's where our issue ends. Now in the last episode, we were talking about how we weren't really a fan of the way that Kirby is drawing the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. How he's kind of lumpy and stuff like that. But he's kind of evolved. I really like the way he's drawing the skull here. There's the bottom panel on page 308 which is page nine in this issue. And then on the next page when he's grabbing the cube and he's kind of bathed in the light of the cube, he looks really good. Yeah, the whole issue and starting from the cover, I, I absolutely love this cover. It's probably my favorite in the entire collection here. And yeah. I'm so glad they used it for the the main cover of the book. Yes. Uh, even though they recolored it, but I just, I just love this cover. I could look at it all day, but... Um, yeah, Red Skull is actually getting a bit more menacing, even though he's has a big giant flower on his pinned on his shoulder. But... <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting there sniffing it on that one page. <laughs> yeah. Let me just take a second to smell my lapel. Yeah, and that's kind of a it's kind of a shocking panel on page three hundred four. He he has this henchman hypnotized, and, and he says, "You should have known the Red Skull shares his triumphs with no one." And he has him go into this room and shoot himself as he's sniffing his, his lapel flower there. So yeah. it's, he's not a good dude. Yeah, and then he betrays AIM. Like it's uh, they're, they're, I, I was expecting this, this team up between the two to last longer than one issue. But no, we find out right away that uh, Red Skull has his own agenda. Of course he does. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and AIM is just going to kind of be a casualty of, of his plans. His own agenda, his own ego. I mean, you can see it on page 309, um, the last page of the issue, when 
he uh, the top right panel there where he has the the cosmic cube in his grasp and you can see the look in his eyes it's like crazed and yes nothing else matters at that point so yeah the cube has these powers where anything that he wishes will come true or anything that he um, perceives will come to be Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he this AIM agent that's right there, he doesn't want him around anymore, so he's gone to another dimension, and poof, the guy's gone. And I love the <laughs> line he says in the next panel, there is nothing I cannot do, nothing. That boulder displeases me. Let it defy <laughs> gravity. Let it rise until it's out of sight. <laughs> yep, that's what I would do if I had a cosmic cube. I don't like that rock over there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start small, right? I guess so. <laughs> but it's... Uh, it's always the villain's downfall that they don't, that they have so much ego that they need to prove themselves um, superior to the hero. Because he could just blink Captain America out of existence right now and be done with it. But he has to keep him around so that he can show Captain America that he's better than him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what good is, uh, what good is ruling the world if no, one, no one's there to witness it, right? Yep. So issue number 81... It's called the Red Skull Supreme. And the entire 10-page story here is basically Captain America trying to get the Red Skull to drop the Cosmic Cube. It's all it is. And it's actually pretty exciting. Uh, there's some really great dynamic fights b- between Captain America and the th- everything that Red Skull throws at him, including a guy that he makes out of dirt and... Um, when the mountains start collapsing underneath them and uh it's just really cool i love this suit of armor that <laughs> the red skull dresses them up as. those are those are my favorite parts in the issuers uh on page 313 uh of the collection when he's kind of outlining his his wishes and his plans yes taking over the galaxy basically and then yeah the the golden suit of armor with the sword. It's just, <laughs> I mean, you, you're only bound by the limits of your imagination. And so I, I was just reminded of, I was reading the, um, when Thanos first gets the cosmic cube in the, uh, Captain Marvel series, right? He literally becomes a God and, and becomes larger than life. And he's fighting gods instead of men. And, and red skull here is moving boulders around and making suits <laughs> of armor and, He's not thinking big enough. No, and I, I, I'll give him a pass because this is the first time anyone's had the Cosmic Cube, so you gotta, you gotta yeah. test out your limitations, I guess. But also, you know, Thanos is, is comes from a history of traveling through space, whereas Red Skull does not. He, like the space travel, like in 1966, the humans haven't even reached the moon yet, or isn't that the year that they reached the moon? Uh, 69. Oh, yeah. 69. So like that hasn't happened yet. Doing outer space conquering is not even kind of in the realm of possibility <laughs> for these guys. But, I mean, he does say that he will have the, enough power to leave the planet and start an intergalactic empire, but he's going to start with Earth first. And I was kind of surprised by that because, I mean, up until now, all we've seen the Red Skull want is to, to reestablish the Third Reich and, you know, have Nazi control over the Earth. But, I mean, now he's he's talking about conquering space, basically so he's got uh he's got goals yeah yep (laughs) it's always good to have a plan yep (laughs) okay yeah so at the very end of this issue uh he dropped he ends up dropping the cube and falls into water and um just some 
rubble washes over it and it looks like the cube is now lost uh, forever no one's going to find it ever again so we'll see what happens <laughs> in that story yep the red skull is dead and the cosmic cube is gone yep so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um tales of suspense 82 is called the maddening mystery of the inconceivable adaptoid and uh Captain America is sipping tea in Avengers Mansion with Jarvis, and he begins to have several sort of hallucinations. And um, and meanwhile, uh, while the soldiers are digging through the rubble of an aim base, Count Royale is found and mutters about the adaptoid. And we find out at that very moment uh, he's changing. He was pretending to be Jarvis, and now he's taken over the form of Captain America. So Count Royale is a character that's been um, in a subplot throughout the S.H.I.E.L.D. stories. So if you want to know more about that guy, I think you got to check out those issues that are happening at this mm -hmm. time. Captain America has um, a reoccurring theme where people pretend to be him. We saw it in the very first chapter in this epic collection when the acrobats pretending to be Captain America... And uh, and then there's th and there's this story and um, this isn't the last time that this is going to happen in this book even. <laughs> it's apparently an easy costume to find uh, on store shelves. So. Yeah, right. This was pretty good. I like the next issue better, but this was a good way to start. Um, there's one scene where where they're talking about Agent Agent Axis and Fang the Warlord. Mm -hmm. Captain America is hallucinating that he's seeing old enemies from World War II. And so Fang the Warlord is from Golden Age Captain America number six. And then Agent Axis is actually, uh, from what I read online, it, he's actually an old DC character and they put him in here. They mentioned him by mistake. They didn't, they forgot that he wasn't actually a Marvel, <laughs> Golden Age Marvel character. So... I think later on down the road, they retcon a character that's like Agent Access that uh, I guess is supposed to be who he's referencing here, but it's not <laughs> the actual Agent Access. We see uh, we see a couple of Avengers. We see Wanda and um, Quicksilver. And, of course, you can't have a, a flashback for Captain America without being haunted by Bucky. So he makes an appearance. And even the Sarge makes an appearance. Yeah, that's right. Um, I didn't. I didn't particularly care for this issue. I thought it was kind of just a bunch of setup to get the Adaptoid uh, to take over Captain America's form. Right. Definitely, it was a lot of filler, especially with the flashback. Uh, some nice cameos that were ultimately pointless as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, th my last comment here is on page two. Sorry, on page three twenty nine. The first panel, it says, uh, if you're wondering what this sequence from Strange Tales 149 has to do with Captain America, just be patient for a few panels longer. But this scene is not from Strange Tales 149, or at least I couldn't find it. I went to Strange Tales 149, I read through the whole thing, and I couldn't find this exact scene. There's the stuff that was leading up to it, but they don't actually look for Count Royal in that, in that issue. No, they yeah they have the destroyed aim base, but yeah. yeah, it doesn't quite match up exactly. Okay, moving on to issue number eighty-three. This one's called "Enter the Tumbler," and we meet a new a new character. 
um, called the Tumbler. He actually he pops by the Avengers Mansion uh, because he wants to kill Captain America. But the Captain America that's there is not actually Captain America. It's the Adaptoid pretending to be Captain America. <laughs> so <laughs> they have a, a big battle, and that's pretty much the whole issue: is Captain America, uh, the the Adaptoid Captain America, fighting the Tumbler until the real Captain America frees himself and ends up taking out everybody. Yeah, and the Tumblr kind of kicks the Adaptoid's butt for a while. Yeah, there's some great Kirby action. If you like Kirby fight scenes, uh, this is a good um, a good issue for you because there's plenty of that type of action here. Yeah, I mean, the, there seems to be a theme with Captain America of uh, acrobatic villains. you got the Tumblr and Batrock and... Um, I mean, they just bounce off the walls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the acrobat. Just bounce off the walls the entire entire issue here, and it's it's a lot of fun. But again, not much to it. It's it's basically right. just a big fight. It's really not until the next issue that uh, the story kind of ramps up. But it's, I find it funny that the Tumblr says that he's trained his whole life to kill Cap. <laughs> that is his sole mission in life, is to kill Captain America. But... Captain America only recently thawed out of the ice and returned. Everybody thought he was dead. So he can't possibly have been training his whole life to kill <laughs> Captain America. Yeah, that the one-page uh, origin of the Tumblr, if you want to call it that, um, was was pretty lame. He's he's like a failed failed mafia mafioso and yeah, kind of. Takes takes his aggression out and becomes an, uh, an acrobat. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's a bit odd. But, I love uh, it. Yep, it's pretty funny. He's he's a goofy goofy villain, and and I, I like seeing him fight the adaptoid, and neither of them really know what's going on until the end. So yeah, um, you just reminded me the the comment about that you made earlier about the tumbler. Uh, easily beating the the adaptoid is because the adaptoid can adapt the serum powers like give him some super strength and stuff but can't adapt the way captain america thinks and a lot mm -hmm. of captain america's success comes from his strategic thinking and really knowing how to play his enemy and uh, control the situation which the adaptoid can't do on his own yeah and there's a great a great gag the tumbler uh throws the adaptoid Captain America through a, a door and, and says, the Tumblr fears no one that lives. I can defeat anyone. I'm a dozen times the fighter that Captain America ever was. And then right after that, the real Captain America comes back and punches him and kicks his butt. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea what happened. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so uh, Tales of Suspense 84 is called the Super Adaptoid. And we start out seeing uh, Giant Man, the Wasp, Hawkeye, and Captain America going to view the body of the Adaptoid. And uh, little do they know, he starts adapting their powers. Uh, later on, he breaks out and fights Captain America, and he, he has the powers of all four Avengers, including a, uh, a bow and arrow as well. And uh, he ends up throwing Captain America into the ocean, and... Uh, flies away after he's unable to contact his his masters at aim. So the Adaptoid takes the powers, basically has the powers of Goliath. He's big and strong. 
He has yeah. a bow and arrow at the beginning to kind of show that he took Hawkeye's powers, which I don't understand because if he can't take Hawkeye's strategic thinking, then I think he wouldn't be able to take Hawkeye's, you know, ability, archery ability, because that's a learned skill, not something that's inherent in his DNA. Well, and somehow he got uh, on page three forty six. He has the bow and arrow, and it's it's like a trick arrow. It's one of Hawkeye's missile arrows. Right. So <laughs> I don't I don't quite understand it, but it's a it's a really cool looking image, even though he's all green for some reason now. But right. um, yeah, there's it's kind of like a super scroll effect going on. Yeah, or mimic from the X Men comics. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I like how they've fused all the costumes together. The other power that he has is flight, which I guess is the the wasp power. Mm-hmm. Except wasp can only fly when she's shrunk down small. So he's found a way to sh- to fly when he's super big. But I like the yeah. I like the fight that they do in midair. Captain America has to find a way to hold on and control the situation in in the middle of the sky and like while he's falling and stuff so there's some really really cool um, fight sequences throughout this issue uh, that are just different because it's taking place in the middle of the air instead of on ground he's somewhat of a, a decent threat and he he ends up popping up through uh quite a few marvel books throughout the 60s and 70s he's uh, he shows up in avengers and x-men Iron Man, so he he gets around after this. Nice. Does he always have all of these same powers, or does he adapt to whoever's book he's in? He pretty much looks the same after this. Um, and then I haven't quite read all of his appearances, but I know in the X Men one, he he has the same powers as he does here. Okay. I like the fact that um, if you're reading Shield, Shield or Nick Fury has taken out AIM by this point. And, uh, and which we mentioned in the last issue, but this, but so Super Adaptoid was caught by Cap while AIM was taken out. So now the Super Adaptoid doesn't have any purpose because his only purpose was to to execute AIM's orders. But now that AIM's gone, he doesn't have anything to do, so he flies away. So I thought I thought that was kind of a cool little detail there. He has a poetic little monologue and says, now that I have sampled the sweet scent of power and tasted the delicious draft of life, I cannot give it up. And so he, he says he's going to go hide away and no one can ever find him, which he doesn't do a good job of that. But, <laughs> right. um, yeah, he, uh, it's a nice little tie into the, what's going on in Strange Tales there. The next issue is Tales of Suspense number 85, The Blitzkrieg of Batroc. The Return of Batroc, The Leaper. And... Uh, in this one, Batroc sends Agent 13 to Hydra to lure Cap into... Well, like, he's captured... Sorry, it's, I, made, I made it sound like Agent 13 is working with Batroc. No, Batroc has captured Agent 13 and has shipped her over to Hydra um, as bait so that Captain America can can go after her and be lured into a trap so that he can finish him off. So a lot of cool things going on in this issue. Another Another Kirby fight... But uh, the, the standout page is definitely number number eight, page 362 in this collection where there's no dialogue. It's just a nine-panel grid of just them going at it. I love the caption on that. Uh, the wise man knoweth when to speak and when to shutteth up. <laughs> Sly Stan knows that no words of his can do justice to Jolly Jack's great action scenes. And so, and then it's a great nine-panel grid there and... Yep. It just 
just a good excuse to have Kirby draw every kind of punch and kick you can imagine. I wonder if Stan... Because that dialogue is so unnecessary, but it's completely something that Stan would do in the 60s. Like, it's 60s Marvel comics right there. But <laughs> do you need to put in um, put in that dialogue so that the writer can get a page rate for that? And so the letterer <laughs> can get a page rate for that? Otherwise, they're not being paid for that page. I wonder... My only thought was if you didn't have any words at all on this page, if you're reading this, um, you would kind of th think, oh, maybe the dialogue is missing or it's it's it didn't get printed somehow. True, because it's unprecedented at this time to do something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty. That would be pretty uh, avant-garde for for this era. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. this issue was pretty fun overall. My favorite part was Batrock. He he kind of gets betrayed by his Hydra uh, teammates, and they say, "Oh, he's way too chaotic. We have to stop him." And so Batrock and Captain America end up teaming up together. Right? Yeah, I forgot to mention that. And that Batrock, I think I think I said this in the last issue or in the last episode. The Batrock's not really a bad guy. Like he is morally gray, but he. Like, the, he has no problem teaming up with Cap, and Cap, in turn, has no problem teaming up with him to take out the real threat. Yeah, he's a, he's a mercenary. He's out, out for himself. But, yep. yeah, he uh, he does what he can and sees sees the advantage of teaming up with Captain America when, <laughs> when Hydra turns against him. I think it's really funny in the dialogue that uh, Stanley tries to write the French um, accent in here. <laughs> Our little episode is over. <laughs> yeah, it's that. Kind yeah, of I don't stuff, know yeah. if that's considered offensive to the French people, uh, French speakers. But... Yeah, I don't know either. It's like um, I know that if you were to try and do like a, you know, an African accent, then people would probably take offense to that or Chinese, like switching the L's and R's in Chinese language. Um, yeah, would not be something that you would do. But I don't know how how the French see it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I I mean if I tried this in front of them they probably wouldn't care for it. But. I'll ask Frank, uh who's doing my uh my new mutants in my early Spider Man episodes because oh, okay. he's from France. So I'll ask him and see what he <laughs> says about that. Because that's yeah, that's interesting. Um another note here, this is the first time that Captain America meets Hydra. Modern day Hydra. So that's oh, okay. that's kind of a big deal. They don't really make a big deal about it, but you know, Hydra becomes a a huge deal in Cap history. Yeah. And this is kind of their first interaction. Yeah, it's interesting they're teaming up with Batrock here, um, but it doesn't seem to be too good of a partnership. So Yeah. Kind of like the Red Skull AIM partnership. They're just not teaming up with the right guys. No, you get these egos and these supervillains, and they, they probably want someone more controllable. So this was the third issue in a row that was basically just all fighting. Mm -hmm. And while I really do like the Cap Kirby fight sequences, I could use a little bit more variety at this point. Like they're, they're fun, but you know, I'm, I'd like something else and we don't really get something else for quite a while here. Yeah. We get, um, more fights and, and a couple of, uh, artist chains coming up here. Right. Let's see. So, Tales of Suspense number 86 is called The Secret. 
And uh, we see Captain America on a mission for S.H.I.E.L.D. in Asia. And he makes uh, contact with an undercover S.H.I.E.L.D. agent called Agent 60. And they're attempting to destroy something called the Z-Ray. Agent 60 ends up sacrificing his life for the mission. And Cap ends up carrying out the mission successfully. So I like the the espionage aspect of this. Um, this this issue actually offers a little bit of something different. It's not all just fight. There's a, I like the commentary about how he is suffering from combat fatigue. This, how the mm-hmm. Agent 60 is suffering from combat fatigue because he's been undercover and in the thick of it for so long. Um, so that that was kind of cool. A lot of interesting looking Kirby-ish machines in this issue too. Yeah, some great robots. There's the the big one where the guy is kind of on top of it, steering it, and then you have a a robot dog kind of thing <laughs> yep. chasing them. Uh, this this issue takes place in communist Asia, and if you read other Kirby Lee Kirby books from the '60s, uh, they use communists a lot, but they haven't really been using communists a lot in Captain America. This is one of the only times, other than nazis in the world war ii flashbacks yeah and that's surprising for the era i guess maybe that was more of a 1950s thing to to be that kind of anti-communist but um yeah we're definitely we saw some uh some vietnam stories in the first first episode we did here and going back to asia in this one yeah but if you compare it to like the early days uh, in the in the early 60s, early to mid 60s with like the Ant-Man books, especially like Iron mm-hmm. Man and stuff, like they're, the communists are every other issue, either Russian or Asian of some sort, usually China. They're all over the place. But I guess, yeah, this is 67 now, so we're probably moving past that a little bit. Yeah, this book covers quite quite a large span for, for as many stories as it has. It's got, we started out in 63, is that right? And then... Yep. all the way to the the very end of 1967. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it was becoming uh, becoming sort of out of vogue for Captain America to be fighting communists, and mm-hmm. Nazis, and everything. But okay, then we can move on to issue number 87. Wanted Captain America. This is our first issue with a new artist, a new writer as well. Oh, yeah. Scripted by Roy Thomas, which means I think this is still a Stanley plot. Mm. Drawn by Jack Sparling. There's a name I didn't recognize at all. So I had to look him up. And he has he did very little Marvel. He's actually mostly a DC and a Dell artist. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of work with them. But yeah, one of his few Marvel appearances here. And he's okay. Definitely not as flashy as, as uh, Jack Kirby gets the job done in fact now that i now that you say that it, now that i know that he's dc he actually kind of has a more of a dc style of something that you would see in dc comics a little more cartoony yeah so in this one there's a guy called the planner and he pretends to be captain america like everybody else in this book uh, and robs <laughs> a bank and he does this in order to lure cap into a trap to steal his shield so there you go so yeah, th- this is the fourth time that someone has dressed up as Captain America. First it was the acrobat, then it was the chameleon, and now then the adaptoid, and now this guy, the planner. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I, I love how quickly the public turns on 
Captain America. You know, yeah. it's the the scantest photographic evidence of someone in a Captain America suit, and they all start <laughs> to think he's a bank robber now. Right. So this issue coincides with the issue uh, with the issue of Shield, where. Uh, Captain America, or sorry, where Jack Kirby steps off of that book as well. He leaves these books because he's got some big fat annuals that he's working on now. Mm. And he he eventually comes back to Captain America, but he never goes back to S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Stranko takes over that one. Yeah, this I mean, it was a fun fill-in issue. Um, it doesn't really tie into to anything else we've we've seen in terms of the the ongoing threads like with agent 13 or aim or anything, but um, I don't know. It, it, it's definitely one of my least favorite in the book. Just because I think so. of that. Yeah. Yeah. The combination of um, the, the fill in artist and the fill in story kind of leaves it a lot to be desired. Yeah. And I, <laughs> the, the henchmen crack me up. They're wearing these, these zebra suits and they have, um, these purple helmets that that look like uh, the heads of Lego men, kind of. They have these weird, <laughs> like, weird dots on them. <laughs> right. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I just love the the style of the '60s here. And we've we've seen some in the first episode of this book. We saw some great, great henchmen. We had that run where there was the green henchman and then the yellow henchman, and, and right. now we have the zebra henchman. <laughs> That's, yeah. Ah, at least they're branching out a little bit. Yeah. All right. Tales of Suspense 88 is called If Bucky Lives. And uh, Cap receives a video plea from Bucky and uh, flies to a place called Seagull Isle, where Power Man and the Swordsman have been brought by a mysterious villain to fight Captain America after he falls into the trap. Uh, they end up battling, and Captain America becomes trapped in a bubble, and we end right when he sees the face of his captor. But we don't get to see that face. Not in this issue. Not yet. Power Man. Yeah. But not the Power Man that we know and love. This <laughs> is um, the original Power Man who eventually becomes Goliath. But what's the name he has after, before Goliath, but after Power Man? Because there's one issue where he actually fights Luke Cage over the name and loses, and Luke Cage gets to keep the name Power Man. Uh, he's gone by Atlas, Goliath, and Smuggler. Smuggler, oh yeah, I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. And this is our first issue with uh, Gil Kane. He was also doing some Hulk issues around this time as well. And he he's doing his own inking, which gives a very, very distinct style. Um, he doesn't... Uh, his lines are very similar i guess he, he doesn't put a lot of weight into his lines yeah probably my probably my least favorite art in this book it, i don't know it's there's it just it seems um it's just plain some of the it's plain and it seems a little loose at times like the anatomy doesn't quite seem right and yeah. I, I don't know i mean I'm, I'm comparing him to jack kirby for the most part but <laughs> for sure uh yeah it, it, this is another issue that it it seems just kind of like set up for what's to come, but um, and I I don't really particularly care for either the swordsman or or power man here, but 
yeah, it's definitely all set up for the next issue, which is Tales of Suspense number 89. It's called Back from the Dead. A wonderful splash page at the beginning here. We were just talking about how it's your least favorite art, but we have a very cool-looking red skull who happens to be the mastermind behind everything. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so Red Skull, he tries to kill Captain America with robots and missiles and even <laughs> uses Bucky to try and kill Captain America. And uh, it ends up that Bucky, this is spoiler alert, Bucky is a, a, is a robot. And like, where does he get all these resources? Red Skull has a lot of things here. He has no cosmic cube to build to to create these robots, but he's made them somehow. Well, the uh, he says that Seagull Isle was one of the many vast secret installations the Führer provided for me in the days when we thought the Reich would live for a thousand years. Right. So presumably, he's got all these secret bases filled with robots and uh, which androids might ex- yeah, I guess that explains why he has a Bucky robot. <laughs> He, I'm he, sure he, there's Bucky robots all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in this issue, Red Skull really plays mind games with Captain America, which seems to actually happen a lot to Captain America in this book. Mm-hmm. People are messing with his mind, making him think things that he that are not really there. Well, you would think by now he'd be used to seeing Bucky and not kind of breaking down and immediately believing it's him, but. <laughs> I, I like the sequence on 404 and 405 where he says, oh, it just can't be. And you see the back of Bucky, and then as if he wasn't sure, he takes off his domino mask just to emphasize <laughs> the point. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is. It's actually Bucky Barnes. <laughs> um, is this the first time uh, we think Bucky is back from the dead? I thought there was another sequence in this book that we already talked about, but I may be thinking of the World War II Stories. We've seen lots um, of Bucky in this book, but yeah, I think they're all flashbacks. Yeah, and there was the hallucination from a couple issues ago with the uh, adaptoid. Oh, right, yeah. But yeah, Bucky is, is constantly haunting him until, really until he comes back as the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. a few years ago. I think there is one other moment in, I think, an issue of Avengers where Rick Jones puts on the Bucky outfit and yeah, Captain America thinks that it's actually Bucky, and is like, "Take that off right now." Um, yeah, this was a it was a fun issue. Uh, of course, the Red Skull didn't die, and he he kind of gives his his recap of how enough power left in the cosmic cube to to give him uh, oxygen to survive under the ocean. Right, makes sense, I suppose. <laughs> Even in his his uh, his heavy golden armor, he was able to to get to Seagull Island. What I love about this is that we think that his plan is to destroy Cap, but he's actually got a much bigger plan that's coming up in the next issue here. Issue number 90, uh, which is called, And Men Shall Call Him Traitor. The Red Skull traps Captain America and then raises a, a section of... Is it a section of New York or is it all of New York? Uh, I think he said it's one square mile. One square mile of New York plucks it right out of the ground so it's floating in the air and threatens to just drop it unless the world surrenders in 24 hours. Um, this is a criminal mastermind plan, that's for sure. I love it. <laughs> Pure comic book fitness. Who knew bubbles could be, could be so useful? <laughs> yeah. So because of that, um, Captain America is forced to obey 
the Red Skull's demands on live TV because otherwise he doesn't want to risk all of those innocent lives. The uh, This big city bubble may be the most unbelievable thing in this whole book. It's so <laughs> incredibly ridiculous. Well, it's just It seems like it's just held up by a couple of uh, lightning bolts or electric- electricity somehow. I mean, it's... Yeah, they first they kind of set it up in the previous issue. They have the they have Power Man and the Swordsman floating in a bubble, and I guess they're establishing that hey, Red Skull has amazing Nazi bubble technology, plastic bubble technology, and uh, yeah, he it, on page four fifteen, it's literally a city inside of a bubble, and <laughs> yeah. um, we've seen. I mean, you kind of. Marvel villains have done this before, but they don't usually float the bubble and take it away and threaten to drop it. So yeah, and uh, of course the public immediately turns on Captain America. They don't even give him the benefit of the doubt when he when he announces um, he works for the Red Skull, and I guess rightfully so. But they're they're pretty angry at him right away. This mob, I think, is more believable than the other mob who turned on Cap because he robbed a bank. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you come out and announce you're working for the Red Skull, I guess I guess that's justifiable. All right. Uh, issue 91 is called The Last Defeat. And uh, Captain America is, is bound by his promise, his word to Red Skull to serve him for 24 hours. And uh, we pick up at the 23rd hour. So we have no idea what what's happened in the previous day. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but uh, Captain America has his last act of uh, subservience reveals the location of a uh, top secret atomic submarine uh, which Red Skull takes over and hypnotizes the crew and and has them attack Captain America Uh, he overcomes them and convinces them he's not really a traitor uh, just in time to blow up the Red Skull in the submarine this was an okay end to an okay story yeah um, I it it bothered, it bothered me more than it should that we pick up in the 23rd hour of Captain America being totally subservient to Red Skull. I, w- I wanted to know what happened right away, but we really, his plan was just to get a submarine. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it's a submarine that is loaded with Polaris missiles. So, so it's, it's not just any old submarine. True. But what, I mean, was he just having Captain America serve him coffee and, bring him his cigarettes i mean <laughs> right yeah i, I want to know <laughs> but here's the thing if if the red skull has the power to trap a whole city block in a bubble then why does he need these missiles that's a good question because like he could just bubble up whatever all the major capital cities or something like that and and there you go i don't think he actually needs the the missiles to hold the because it's just going to destroy everything, right? They're just nukes. So if he just nukes the world, then he has nothing left. It's just to hold the city yeah. hostage. So he can easily... It, I mean, it's just to hold the world hostage. That's why he's using these missiles. And he can easily do that with the bubbles. In fact, he's already doing that with the bubbles. Well, yeah. So at the end of the last issue, he Captain America agrees to serve him. And then Red Skull puts New York City back where it belongs. And then, yeah, his next plan is to get something to destroy a city. So, <laughs> yeah. 
don't understand it, but you know that's why this was just an okay story. Yeah, he's he's uh, not thinking very clearly, I guess. But the other ridiculous thing here is that he has a flying space station. He has a robot Bucky. He he can control mines, but he can't find the location of this submarine that's in the in the ocean. <laughs> he like that's just like I don't know. Feels like a plot hole. <laughs> yeah, and and they he, we've established he's got secret uh, Nazi bases all over the world. I mean, maybe there's something in one of those that he can. He's got he incredible use. resources, but he just can't pinpoint the location of that. I mean, I know the the ocean's large, but surely he could figure out that if he's got a flying space station. Yeah, and and it, it kind of hinges um, at, at the very on the very last page here where. It ends up being an experimental ship, and it was about to be destroyed because that makes sense to destroy millions of dollars worth of advanced technology. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we see the Red Skull's uh, is it third or fourth demise in, in this volume? Uh, yeah, something like that. But they're all sure. It's like it looks like we've seen the end of the Red Skull at last. <laughs> And uh, yeah. and Cap gives a nice little patriotic speech at the end, and yeah, you know, brings up justice, freedom, and brotherhood, and liberty, and all that. So, so I think it was at this point in the book where I realized why I'm not getting the sort of variety that I want. How it's just kind of one big fight after the other. Captain mm-hmm. America has no supporting cast, right? Because if you're reading through Spider-Man, we get everything that's happening with Aunt May. We get everything that's happening at high school, everything that's happening with Betty Brant. And, uh, and so there's lots of variety, plus what's happening with J. Jonah Jameson. And, and then also the villain of the, of the issue. Um, or if you go over to Iron Man, there's stuff that's happening with Pepper Potts. And um, like every character has somebody for Captain America to talk or for the hero to talk to. But Captain America doesn't have that. So all we have is fighting. His closest friend at this point is probably the Red Skull. I mean, we see yeah. Nick Fury. We see Nick Fury, and as of yet unnamed uh, Agent Thirteen, and the Avengers pop up every now and then. But yeah, it's he's just it's pretty much the himself. Cap show. Yep. yep. And so that's why I like these next few issues more, um, because. Agent 13 is the supporting cast. Like, he actually gets to spend some quality time with her. And, and we get to spend some quality time with her That in in uh, as a result. And that makes these next issues a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, Plus, I agree. Plus, Jack Kirby is back. Uh, this one is uh, Tales of Suspense number 92. Before my eyes, Nick Fury dies. And uh, Ain- Agent 13 appears to have defected to AIM and is told AIM when Nick Fury, where and when Nick Fury will be, um, which he'll be at his barber, in order that they can send their mecho assassin to kill him. The Cap happens to be walking down the street at the time and sees this and stops the mecho assassin. This was a, it was a fun issue. I, I like you said, once you kind of get Nick Fury and Agent 13 and, and more S.H.I.E.L.D. involvement, it becomes a little more interesting and a little more uh, fun to read. Even though this issue is just one big fight again. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's not even the real Nick Fury. It's uh, a life model decoy until the very end. 
And you wouldn't know this if you haven't been reading S.H.I.E.L.D., but the barbershop is actually a secret entrance to S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. headquarters. Um, Nick Fury sits in one of those chairs and gets lowered down into their secret underground base, but you don't know that in this <laughs> in this issue at all. No, they just call it an unassuming barbershop, and you don't really see any subterranean base or anything. Right. Um, so this issue has one of the most famous glaring mistakes. Uh, Marvel put out a no-prize comic one-shot in, I think, the 80s sometime, where they list all of the mistakes that they've done. You know how they call Peter Parker, um, Peter Palmer by accident in the first issue mm-hmm. of Spider-Man and that kind of thing. Well, in this one, if you go to page 440, which is page 9 in this book, and the last panel, Captain America is ready to defeat the super adaptoid. And he says, okay, mister, I'm ready for you, so let's wrap it up. Only one of us is going to walk out of here under his own steam. And then in the next panel, he says, and it won't be me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's just being sarcastic there yeah i guess so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like that one i guess we should note that this captain america um messes messes up the plan it shows that uh agent 13 actually wasn't defecting to aim she was being a double agent and it was all an attempt to lure aim out into the open but Captain America kind of uh, messed that up by getting involved. He wasn't supposed to. Yeah, he put her in jeopardy and uh, sets it up nicely for the next issue so he yep. can run in there and save her. And that's um, Tales of Suspense 93, which is called Into the Jaws of Aim. And uh, we see Captain America with a cool little submarine device um, trying to infiltrate an aim submarine but he gets captured right away uh agent 13 ends up coming to his rescue and frees him and tells him about a mysterious voice of a aim boss called modok um and at the very end of the issue she ends up disappearing into some sort of uh strange light i really like this issue joe sinnett does the inks here uh, which he, I think he has been in the last issue as well, but this issue really felt like this is the solid team, Kirby and Sinnott, you know, how they, they did a long run on Fantastic Four and stuff. They're such a great partnership, and I love the stuff that they're doing. If you look at page 444 and 445, which is page 2 and 3 in this issue, and just the the moody atmosphere of um, of underwater, you can see all the, yeah. you know, the, the signature Kirby crackle the little dots that form around and uh, and a couple of black panels that we get on page three as well as you know being zapped or the one with gas kind of enveloping Captain America's face there's a lot of really cool uh, visual stuff going on in this issue I think we had a run of uh, of less than excellent issues up until this point and it's kind of getting back on on pace here with Lee and Kirby and Sinnott and I, I just love this issue from the very opening page. I, I love the, I love any sort of Kirby tech, and that that submarine device is yes. just so great. And <laughs> yeah. and Cap's face in that, I, I don't know. It, right once you see that, you know it's going to be a fun issue. The other piece of of uh, Shield tech that I really like are the coveralls or the yeah the coveralls that Agent Thirteen is wearing. They're called um, anti-polar coveralls or overalls. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. yeah, no coveralls. Um, which I guess because he's he, Captain America is being held in magnetic bands, and uh, if she gets close to him, her clothing can reverse the polarity of his of his manacles and and free him. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> and that I I like the um, I like the mystery of Modok. I I think I think as we'll see the the reality is a bit funnier in appearance but um at this point if you if you never knew who modok was yeah you'd be very very intrigued at this point definitely i like the this uh first of all this is aim aim was apparently destroyed a few issues back but now they are here again so that first of all is a mystery and second of all the way they talk it's like especially where is it they're saying this um on page Eight, uh, page four fifty in this collection, they say he was to be our greatest weapon, our supreme creation. He was to enable enable us to conquer the entire world. And now, almost overnight, it is we who serve him. <laughs> so yeah, who is this this creation that has gone out of control? The Master Supreme. Yeah, and so let's talk about Tales of Suspense number ninety four. If this be Modok. Captain America again is captured. In this time, he's taken to Modok, and they fight. And Aim uses this opportunity for a subterfuge. They uh, they use him as a decoy so that they hopefully Captain America will destroy Modok, or Modok will destroy Captain America. Either way, it's win win for Aim. And if Captain America is defeated, then they'll use that distraction to then kill Modok. So it's all going to work out for AIM, they think. <laughs> but it doesn't go quite the way that they have planned. Now, uh, if you look at page 3 and 4, which is page 456 and 457, I'm pretty sure that the layout of this book really ruins the surprise of Modok. Um, because, uh, flip a page back to page 454 that page that splash page if this were an actual you know single issue that splash page would be on the right mm -hmm. because there would be an advertisement on the back cover which would mean that page three would also be on the right so that when you flip over the page you get the big reveal of who modok is yeah, but in this one, you it kind of ruins the surprise because you turn the page and you have to read a full page, and your eye already sees you know the two page <laughs> spread, so you already see Modok. It doesn't quite work visually the way it probably was meant to be originally. No, and I mean I don't know how many people reading this don't have an idea of Modok, who Modok is, <laughs> right? Um, but he's just. He's always just been so ridiculous looking to me and so goofy yeah. that I, I, I would have loved to be able to read this for the first time and, and see that after turning the page. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to as well. It's such a He's such a weird character. And so his power is he's just got an enormous brain. That's why his head is so large. And all of his powers come from his mind, his thoughts. He has these thought beams or mind beams that we that are very ambiguous we don't know what they mean but they can do whatever he needs them to do yeah he's got the mind beam he's got a stun shock beam a heat beam uh, he's kind of the the jack of all beams and uh <laughs> yeah 
he yeah it's whatever whatever's convenient for him um i going back to page three on page 456 of the book i i love the top panel there of cap uh sinking downward into the light that's yeah the color the coloring in that is gorgeous the other coloring job i really like is the bottom panel on page seven 460 where modok's um kind of exploding uh, mm-hmm. his, his chair is breaking apart just love the effect with the different shades of red in there and it's just very very dramatic so at at this point um modok doesn't stand for anything right i don't think uh, so because i know i know in the future it's uh i can't remember exactly but whatever designed only for killing yeah. um and so they must that must be a uh backronym right <laughs> uh yeah for sure but we don't know. Yeah, they don't say that at all at this point. So, who knows if that's something they've decided at this at this point? Modok is Modok, and he self destructs. He he uh, uses a beam to hit the emergency detonator and takes himself out supposedly. Yeah, this is like three issues in a row where the bad guy gets blown up um, yeah. <laughs> for good. <laughs> okay, Tales of Suspense number ninety five. A time to die, a time to live. This is kind of um, a kind of a calm before the storm issue. Not really calm before the storm. It's like it's maybe it's a, a calm after the storm. It's a Captain America goes on a date. That's kind of this whole issue. He decides um, that he wants to take Agent Thirteen out for dinner. So he he picks her up, not in his uniform. So she gets to see his face for the first time, and they go on a date. For some reason, he wants to propose to her, and she rejects him, saying, you know, in our line of work, we can't do this. And so Captain America says, the only thing that makes sense in this situation is for me to quit being Captain America so that I can marry this girl. (laughs) So (laughs) the world does not take kindly to the fact, even though they hated him just a few issues ago, they think it's terrible that he's retiring. His identity becomes public knowledge. That's an important part um, of this issue here. And yeah, everybody from Agent 13 to to Nick Fury has has some words for Cap about his decision to quit being Captain America. Yeah, and I'm not sure. So I know I know officially in Marvel canon, his identity became public um, in 2002 when he revealed it. So you might, that might be a question for Jared is did this get just forgotten or was it retconned or, um, so this is the weird thing because if we remember the very first issue in this book, which is strange tales, um, Johnny storms reading a captain America comic that says that Steve mm-hmm. Rogers is captain America. So he, <laughs> like everybody already knew his, his identity. But then when he came back, um, in Avengers 4, he has a secret identity again. But now he doesn't have a secret identity in this issue. Yeah, it kind of just kind of goes back and forth. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about it a bit in the last episode, but it's kind of pointless for him to have a secret identity. I mean... Because he has no supporting cast. Yeah. He sits around the Avengers mansion and, and talks to Jarvis when he's not <laughs> yeah. fighting anyone. Yes, um, yes. Or in this one at the end of the issue, he's sitting around and talking to himself. Yeah, this this was a weird one. The the framing of the um so they you, it starts out right with the action and 
and he's just on a tear beating up this king and they say well it says never has the star spangled avenger fought more savagely more fearlessly than now what fiery motive is driving him on and then we kind of flash back to the state and that that's the real driver of the action is his his getting rejected by agent 13 and he still doesn't even know her name at this point yeah he's proposing to her and they're in love supposedly but yeah it, it was kind of a shocking issue um retirement and exposure of the secret identity those those are that would be like a, a six issue event uh nowadays but <laughs> yeah. it well, happens it about just, two pages and same with just the courtship itself is like he he finds out on the ride over to dinner that agent 13 feels the same way uh toward him that he does towards her it's <laughs> like okay that settles it i'm gonna propose to her <laughs> That was the last uh, last piece of the puzzle he needed. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that last uh, the last page with kind of yeah. his uh, um, mont uh, a collage of the different things we've been seeing throughout this book. Yeah, you have a little World War Two Red Skull, uh, Aim, and Agent Thirteen. Yeah, it's just that's a great page. Very cool. So the last issue of the book is uh, Tales of Suspense number ninety six. And it's called To Be Reborn. Uh, so his secret his secret identity is out, and he's being targeted for assassination. But there's a string of Captain America impersonators. Again. Who, <laughs> and there's there's quite a few of them in this issue, and they're <laughs> all they're all pretty awful. Um, so they end up being targeted uh, to be killed, and Captain America feels obligated to try and save one of them, and. He uh, teams up with Shield to draw out uh, this this big deal sniper, and they take him down. And at the very end, Captain America decides to, or Steve Rogers decides to become Captain America again. Yeah, this was good. I liked the fact that he had to think through this. Like this was a uh, this was a good, um, just kind of an introspective issue, mm-hmm. where you kind of you you find out why Captain America does what he does. I think that's great and so yeah aside from the fact that we have another person trying impersonating captain america for the fifth time now in this one collection <laughs> um yeah it was it was a lot of fun well i wish they would draw these so in the in the first page you can tell they're obviously not captain america but then you go to page 478 uh page three of the story and that could totally be captain america yeah um you know, jumping across the building there, and so I wish they would draw them a bit differently. Or it reminded me of the the scene in The Dark Knight where you have the Batman impersonators, and and Batman makes the joke about wearing hockey pads. You know, kind of make their costumes a little more homemade, or or at least change the shape of his chin or something like that. Yeah, know? yeah. Sure. There's a bunch of uh, square jawed athletic guys pretending to be Captain America, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the the threat from this this sniper? Um, not really a threat. He was just kind of a plot device. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for more of a, a more of a villain rather than you know some random guy with a gun. But I guess I guess it makes sense in terms of the the driver of the action is Captain America saving these poor people pretending yeah. to be him. Exactly. Yeah. It's um. He was just there to cause some tension 
Mm-hmm. So it, he didn't really have anything against Captain America. Turns out the, the, the copy, maybe this is why the decoy, the Captain America decoy was just an L- LMD, which is probably why it looks exactly like Captain America. Well, they have, yeah, and then, well, there's a couple of them. So there's the LMD that is pretending to be Steve Rogers in the apartment building, and he gets... Oh, okay, yeah, I have it confused. I have it the other way around. Yeah, he oh. gets blown up, gotcha. and then, luckily, luckily, the sniper picked the LMD and not... Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, others, yeah, yeah. The right. real Steve Rogers, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, at the very, the very last page on page 45, you see, you see the poor guy unmasked who who's pretending to be uh that's right oh yeah captain america there and i i i like the i like the ending of this book with this issue i i wish we could have seen him in the suit one more time instead of kind of just shaking hands and saying yeah i guess i'll be captain america again but it makes sense because now we can start the volume we can start volume two with kind of a reborn captain america with a a new lease on life or a new um, outlook on life i mean yeah, he's uh, he'll come back renewed, and uh, we won't get into volume two too much. But there's uh, you kind of get more of what you're asking for in terms of the supporting cast, yes. and things like that. So, well, that does it for this. Uh, thinking back to what we talked about in this issue and in the in this episode and the last episode, what are the standout parts of this book to you? Uh, to me, anything with the Red Skull, even the Gil Kane story. Even that one, uh, that was probably my least favorite Red Skull, but I, I really liked um, the Cosmic Cube. That that was probably my favorite sequence of stories, uh, even though he doesn't quite use it to its full extent. Just his return and getting the Cosmic Cube and the introduction of AIM, that would be my favorite part of the book. I think so, too. I really like when Captain America is teaming up with S.H.I.E.L.D. in these issues. Yeah. I think that Kirby and Lee really knew what they were doing with shield. Like it's a, it's a good solid corner of the Marvel universe and to have captain America be a part of it, I think was a really, really good idea. Yeah. It's a, it's a logical pairing and and I'm glad they do it and take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. What would be uh, your least favorite party? Definitely the, definitely that fill in issue. Um, and toward the end, I wasn't keen on the Strange Tales issue at the very beginning with the fake Captain America, nor the mm-hmm. first few issues, just the random issues at the beginning with the, you know, the guys dressed in the same colored outfits. Didn't care for those either. I liked kind of the the end of the World War II stories. It got to a good point there. And then, like I said, the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. But other than that, maybe the Sleeper story was uh was okay as well yeah that there was some good tension in that one so bringing back captain america is a good idea and i think it took a while to figure out what exactly his book should be and what kind of adventures he should be having and i i I feel like they they got it right a handful of times in this collection Mm -hmm. yeah i look forward to seeing what volume is going to uh, to take because that will be new stuff. I haven't read that far in Captain America. I'm excited to know that Gene Colan comes in because I like a lot of his work. So that'll mm-hmm. be kind of neat. And uh, and yeah, like Falcon and everything like this is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to diving in deep uh, with you in in the next volume. 
Yeah, me too. I think it'll be uh, it'll be a great way to get into um, the last part of the 1960s here. But as far as you and I are concerned, I think that the next time we are in an episode together, we'll probably jump back to Wolverine. Um, the second volume is coming out, and I think I'd really like to tackle that one next with you, if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for joining us uh, for this episode, uh, Drew, and I look forward to our next talk. Well, thanks for having me, Curtis. 